Got it. Awesome. Here we go. Part two of our series called Sticks and Stones. Everybody open up your word to James chapter 3. We're going to get there in just a second. But last week we began by acknowledging this. Um, we said, hey, that remember that old phrase that you said on the playground or you said in your neighborhood or, you know, you said in PE class, you said, hey, I know you said that really mean thing to me, but you know what? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, what, hurt me, and you were a liar, okay? That's what you were, and I said it too, and the reality is that words matter, like, a lot, and words hurt, and they penetrate um, even into our spirits, and I told you last week that many of us, we talk about this, the reality is there are things that, um, man, you had a PE coach or a teacher or a parent or an ex or a boss that said to you, and some of you, it was like they said it two weeks ago, and some of you, they said it like 20 years ago, and you still remember it. Like, you don't like that I'm bringing it up right now because, man, it still plays in your mind. And the reason I say that is because our words matter so much. They just do. You can't, you can't fight it. And so in this series, we're talking about the power of our words. And as you turn to James chapter 3, that's where we're going to start here in just a second. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Today's message, um, if you were here last week, today's message is really a continuation of last week's message. And here's three reasons, um, because I'm a preacher and that's how I talk, three reasons why it's a continuation. Number one, some of you weren't here last week, okay? We missed you. Thanks for coming back, all right? Number two, and you still haven't heard part one. Number two, some of you were here last week. You took good notes. You moved at the good stuff I said. Mm, Okay, that's how white people say amen, all right? You moved at them. You took good notes. But you know what I know about you that's also true about me? You did not bat a thousand this week, okay? In other words, you swung and missed sometimes. Like, there were times where it came out of your mouth, and you're like, whoo, that was totally contrary to the notes I took last Sunday morning in the gathering, okay? So you and I, putting myself in that boat, we need a reminder. All right, and number three, uh, the reason it's a continuation is because we're preaching through James 3, and that's how it works. We just keep picking up, okay? So here we go. Um, Last week, we gave, uh, James gave us three analogies. So here's the 30-second reminder of the analogies that James gave last week. First, he said, like a small bit controls a mighty horse, so a person's tongue controls them. Little bitty bit, big horse slows it down, same thing with your tongue. Second, like a small rudder, James said, like a small little rudder, steers a massive ship, so the direction of a person's words sets the direction of their life. It's not just your words, but it's steering your life. And then finally, we ended with this analogy last week, like a small spark can turn into an all-consuming forest fire, our words will either build up or they will burn down. Everything around us. That's just how it works. And so today, we're going to pick up verse 7, and James is just going to add another analogy, okay? And he kind of goes circus style this time on this one. James chapter 3, verse 7, read it with me. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James says, your words, my words, can be like a deadly poison. Now, think with me for a second. If you had a little jar of poison at your house that did not have a top on it, how would you handle that jar? With great care, right? You put it on top of the refrigerator, on top of another refrigerator, in the cabinet with the lock where nobody could touch it, right? And James says, guess what? You do have deadly poison, and it goes with you everywhere you go, and it comes out of your mouth. And so he's saying, hey, beware, handle it with great 
care, great intentionality. And then he kind of gives that analogy there in verse uh, 7 that we just read. He says, as humanity, we have figured out how to tame all kinds of animals. I don't know if you ever, like, watched the circus or paid attention. Like, we've figured out a lot of stuff. Uh, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen lions um, bow down at the feet of a human. That was pretty crazy. I've seen tigers get on their feet, beg like a dog. Uh, I've seen eagles, like, fly way out and then actually come back to their owner. Um, I've seen bears ride bicycles. That was unusual. And I've also seen an elephant whip a bulldog, a rebel, an Aggie, a volunteer, and a Louisiana tiger all in one year. But, but you know what? You know what James says I've never seen? He says, I've never seen a person who's been able to tame their own tongue. We figured out all these mighty creatures of God, but we can't figure out how to tame our own tongue. And James 3 verse 9 says this, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And I might stop there and ask you and me, how do you think God feels about that? Like, seriously, guys, we can stand in this room or wherever you want to do church, and we can sing songs like, oh, there's nothing, nothing better than you. And then we can go out same week, sometimes on the way home, and we can look an image bearer of God and go, you're such an idiot who taught you how to drive. And out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And I'll just ask you, maybe as a parent today, how would you feel if someone blessed you and then cursed your kids? You'd probably say, I'm not going to be your friend anymore, ever, ever again. And parents, don't you love it? I know we do at my house. Man, we love when there are teachers and coaches and school leaders and church leaders who encourage our kids, like who build life into them. Like they get an extra 10 on their Starbucks thank you appreciation card. Because, man, we long for those people. And I think in the same way God's asking, how do you think that lands on me as a heavenly father when you come in and you sing all the songs about the blessing and you take the notes and you're like, that's a really good message. But then you go out and you curse the very ones that I've given my son for. And James keeps going, James 3 verse 10. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing then he says, my brothers, this is a letter, so read it as a letter. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, can we be honest for a minute? Okay, I know church is no place to be honest, but let's give it a shot, all right? Um, what James says in verse 10, he says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. He says, this should not be. And can we just, like, agree? That should not be. But it do be. Like, way more than it should that out of the same mouth can come praise and cursing. I mean, think about it. How many times have you promised, probably God, like, I'm not going to talk like that again, not going to lose my temper again, never going to say those words again, and then you did it again. Anybody, anybody ever done that before? Okay, you willing to admit that? Okay, the rest of you are liars. That's a different series, all right? <laughs> because the truth is, listen to me, we've all done it. I would never say that. Oh, I never. And then two days later, and there we are again. You see, the struggle is real. All right, and, and in the midst today, there's going to be conviction, but there's going to be good news and hope. So we've got to feel both of those. Here's the, the first truth today that begins to point us towards the problem, and here's the answer is you will never change. You will never change your words until the Spirit changes your heart. And we're just piggybacking on last week. 
You will never change your words until the Spirit changes your heart. Our words, church, they not ultimately just reveal how broken we are, but they reveal what a Savior we need. Jesus talks about our words. You know what he really is saying about our words? He says our words are like that warning light that pops up on the dashboard of your car. Right? When the temperature changed and it was like 30 in the morning, everybody has low tires, right? He says it's like a warning light. And here's what he's saying. Your words, my words, they're not always the problem. Our words are not necessarily the problem, but our words reveal the problem is deep down inside of us. In fact, Jesus says it this way. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, he's talking to the Pharisees, and Jesus says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. That's an apple tree. only way you know that is because it drops off apples. Verse 34, he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Catch this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus says the only thing that can come out of you is what's in you. That applies to a lot of areas of life. That means when you're hanging out with your friends or you're hanging out with your family and anger comes out of you, you know why? Because that's what's in you. Or when jealousy comes out or bitterness comes out, you know why? It's not them. No, it's because that's what's inside of you. But what we do many times is we cut people down with our words, we judge people with our words, we talk about people with our words, and then watch this. And then we love to use our then words to justify and try to make right what we just said. And we're like, well, if you wouldn't have, you made me angry, therefore I had to say this, and Jesus is just scrapping all that off the table in Matthew 12, and he goes, no, bro, it starts in you. And it's not that you have a potty mouth, but it's actually that you and I have a potty heart. That's what Paul would say, what a wretched man am I. That what a savior I need. The only thing that can come out of me is what's inside of me. It's not necessarily a mouth issue. It's actually a heart issue. And Jesus kept going and as he's talking to the Pharisees. And he's just being straight up. Matthew 12, verse 35. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. I checked the original language this week, and that includes Facebook posts, texts, tweets, DMs, and Instagram pictures that are worth a thousand words. You and I will be held accountable, guess what, for every one of them. Every empty, careless word. Now, if you were here last week, first six verses, James actually said, he says, if you control your tongue you can actually keep your whole body in check. That's kind of crazy. I think what James was alluding to was saying, he's saying, if you can get that little thing, okay, that little thing right there, if you can get your mouth right, you're on the road to getting your whole life right. That your mouth, all right, your mouth is the number one indicator of what's in your heart. But you will never, you and I will never change our words until the Spirit changes our hearts. And then he goes on, Verse 11, James chapter 3, he starts throwing some questions at us. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? 
neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James asked three questions, so let's answer them. No, no, and no. The point is, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let me ask an application question this way as you evaluate your life like I do with mine. Does your mouth reveal that you need heart surgery? Because the number one indicator of how the ticker's doing, if we want to speak of that spiritually as we talk about our heart, the core essence of who we are, is what's coming out of your mouth. And it's not just about the words that are coming out, but it's about what it does to somebody else's heart and what it really reveals about our heart. But we'll never change our words until the Spirit first works here. He works from the inside out. So some questions that, man, I hope that the Holy Spirit, as you listen to the teaching of the Word and the Spirit of God, like some things that begin to be asked inside of you. Like the question is, are you speaking life or death in your relationships? Because one, like one or the other is coming out. What about, listen, what about over yourself? Like when you talk to you, do you realize no one talks to you as much as you talk to you? And do you also realize nobody talks to you like you talk to you? Like if your coworkers talk to you like you talk to you, you would never talk to them again. It's like, how, I mean, how are you having that dialogue? What about over your family? How, how are you speaking life or death over your family, okay? I'm about to give you a question. I'm about to dare you, double dog dare, okay? Like seventh grade, here we go. And I'm going to give you a question, and some of you are not going to like it, okay? And that's fine. I don't like you, all right? I'm just kidding. Don't email me. <laughs> don't email me. I'm about to give you a question, and literally, I'm, I'm challenging you to think about what would it look like for you to look at somebody who loves Jesus and loves you and you to ask this question. You ready? What is it like to be on the other side of me? Because there's another side. Like, like, I know what it's like to be on the me side of me. But for your spouse and your kids and your coworkers and your parents and your teenagers, listen to me, there's another side. And so I would just say, like, are we, are we bold enough? Do we care enough to look at somebody and to sit them down across lunch today or coffee tomorrow morning and go, hey, I love you. And I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to rebuttal. I'm not going to fight. But I would really like to know because I want the Spirit of God to be sanctifying me. What's it like to be on the other side of me? See, the, the problem becomes we often judge our words by our intentions. That's where our barometer is. We say, it's not what you heard. It's actually what I meant. And like, no, here's, here's really what I meant, and I'm just saying today, the reality is however our words land on other people, however they land, will kill them or give them life. In fact, Proverbs says it this way. Let me give you this verse. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know what Scripture is saying? Scripture says, Careless words stab like a sword. Here's what it's saying. You and I don't get a pass because of our intentions. We don't get a pass because like, no, that's actually not what I meant. No, it's how it landed. It's the tone. It's the vocabulary. It's my body language. It's my facial expression. It's how I landed. Now, in light of Proverbs 12:18, I brought a pretty intense sword with me today, okay? 
I see the fear in your eyes, all right? And it should be there because this came right out of my son's toy chest, okay? Um, let's just act, okay? Can you imagine with me for a second? Let's go there. Uh, let's act like this is a real sword, okay? That'd be, that'd be pretty cool if it was, right? All right, and let's act like I brought it out here today, and I'm going to show you real quick my ninja samurai skills. You can see how awesome they are. And I'm just swinging this bad boy carelessly, recklessly around, okay? And somehow in my mischief, all right, this thing just slings out, sticks right in my boy Sean out there on my fourth row. Just, I'm talking about, bam, right there. Okay, love you, Sean, but like this illustration, just bam, right there. Now listen, 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 okay. But then I, like, I immediately felt bad, right? And I, I mean, I went to him, and I was like, Sean, man, love you, bro. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was just kind of being careless. I, I didn't mean that. Like, I, I never intended, when I pulled that thing, I never intended that it would be, like, inside of you right now, and we can't get this thing out. Like, I, I never intended that. Now, stay with me. There'd be a couple of things that would happen as a result of that, okay? Number one, we'd be on the news, all right? <laughs> Former exchange pastor, okay, stabs dude in the fourth row because he's an idiot, all right? Um, okay, it was a good run while it lasted, all right? Second, more importantly, if Sean survived that moment, if Sean survived that moment, right, he would remember this day for the rest of his life. You know why? Because a stabbing, Proverbs says a stabbing, it happens when it happens. And it can't be reversed. It can't be undone. Here's what I know about you and what about me, all of us, and we're sitting here today talking about words. All of us can remember a moment when somebody, somebody's reckless words stabbed us like a sword. They're reckless, they're careless words, stabbed us like a sword. You know what's crazy, guys? You know what's crazy? They may not have even meant it. They were just saying stuff. I don't know about you, but man, I've had to apologize more times than I want to count. And sometimes what I'm saying isn't inaccurate. But it's how I said it. I was reckless and careless with my words, and they stabbed and they pierced like a sword. Words have power, especially, especially if you have a little bit of a sharp mind and maybe a sharp tongue, perhaps some insecurities, so you always go for the laugh, even at the expense of others, like for real, like you're just standing around the job site, around the office, talking with the boys, and another co-worker who ain't in the circle comes up, man, I'm just going to throw my little thoughts in there. Or you give your kid that little crazy nickname that you know they don't like, but you love to say it out in public because it just pesters them. Or your spouse has that insecurity that they've told you they really, really, really don't like it when you bring it up with your friends. But you keep doing it. James says today, it doesn't matter. It's still a stabbing. And reckless words, they stab like a sword. But, okay, there's, there's another side of that proverb, but wise words lead to healing. They do. Now, think about this. You've been in the kitchen, all of us at some point, you were cutting strawberries or onions or whatever, and like you, you cut yourself accidentally with a knife, right? Think about that moment. It takes, bam, that long to cut yourself, right? But it takes a 
long time to heal, depending on how deep that cut is. I mean, you're going three or four band-aids, right, holding me a sporing thing, putting that thing, until it heals, right? And I tell you that to give that to you and to me as a warning today, because as you sit here and you hear the Word of God, not me, but you hear the Word of God through the Spirit of God, man, my prayer for you and me is like, God, convict us where we need to be convicted, change us where we need to be changed, help us to do things that you call us to in obedience. And some of you right now, like you're, you're going, whoa, you're all up on my toes, and you're going, man, I, I really need to talk to my, my wife or my husband or my kids. Like when I'm done here, I need to text that coworker because this is not who I should be. Listen to me. What I just told you is a warning because for some of them, they've been, they've been being cut for like 15 years. I'm just telling you that a little 15-second apology ain't going to heal it all up. It's not going to fix it just like that. Wise words lead to healing, but it's a process, man. It's a process. Now, listen, it's got to start somewhere, but it's a process. Man, let's understand that. Wise words lead to healing, but it takes time. But do you know what those wounds do? They call scars. They call scars with our words, and sometimes, listen, sometimes we scar other people with our words, and sometimes all of us, we carry scars from other people's words. We do. Some of you, like right now, it, boom, it triggered something right there. And I just say to you today, man, don't let the enemy define you by your scars. Ooh, he loves to bring up things that the old coach said. He loves to bring up things that your ex tries to hold over you for a decade. He loves to do that. But here's the good news, church. The good news of the gospel is that you are not defined by your scars. But through the gospel, you are defined by the scars of Jesus who died for you and gave you a new name and gave you a new identity in him. Reckless words, they absolutely, they stab like a sword, but wise words lead to healing. Now, many times as Christians... This is our little excuse that we throw out. You ready? Yeah, but it's true. And Paul says today, I don't care. Just because something is true doesn't give you the license to say it. Now, it's not that you're not supposed to say hard things. We're a spiritual house that's trying to lean ourselves towards accountability. Like, you need people in your life who love you and will speak to you truth and love and grace. Like, you need that. You need people who will do that. But just because something is true doesn't mean you need to say it. I want you to see a verse that we read last week from Paul, Ephesians 4, 29. There's so much good stuff. Like we got to come back around it again. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Here's the second half of the verse. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who... Listen, let's say it this way. Words can be constructive or they can be destructive. Words can be constructive or they can be destructive. All right, um, I brought a hammer with me today. I know it's like preschool show and tell class with all these props, all right? Um, but I brought this for a reason because you'll remember it better, okay? Um, words are constructive or they are destructive. All right, on a typical hammer, of which I might call this, okay, there are two sides, right? This side, okay, that we'll call the hammer side because I don't know what it's really called. We'll just call it the hammer side. You know what it does? It puts nails into boards that then put boards together that build houses and homes and businesses and shelters, right? It is constructed. It builds up, okay? The other side of the hammer, some of you didn't even know, like it's another side, right, on the other side. And you can pull out nails, right? You can pull down walls, 
Or if you're swinging wrong with this side and the other wall's right behind you real close, you can put a hole in there. I know a guy, right? What I'm asking you is, okay, is the hammer, is, this, is it good or bad? Well, it depends on how you use it. And I would ask you, are your words, is your tongue, is it good or bad? It depends on how you use it. And all James is trying to say, all Paul's trying to say is, man, let's just be the people because we love Jesus and we got his grace and his blessing into our life that we just swing this side of the hammer. Like we're just known for swinging this side of the hammer. Now, sometimes, hear me, sometimes people in your life that love you or, or that you love and that God's allowed you to build trust with them in their life because you love Jesus. Listen to me. Sometimes there are people that are going to come across your path as you make disciples and love and serve. And you're going to see those people and they're headed in the wrong direction. Like they're headed down the wrong road making a lot of unwise decisions. And there is no sign of turning around. And God's giving you and me the role as the church to, with love, grace, and truth, to look at them and go, stop it. Like I love you. And this is not God's plan and purpose for your life. And so, man, I want to walk with you. I'm calling out what's not right here. And let's turn around. Let's walk in this thing together the other way. And some of you, there's people in your life that God's calling you to say it. And some of you, you maybe got people in your life, and they're trying to say it to you. And today, the words are saying, just listen. Because that's constructive. That's part of loving one another in the body of Christ. Um, this week, uh, well, I'll, I'll read that to you in just a second. What Scripture is essentially asking us is this, or telling us this. Write this down. If you want to change your world, then learn to change your words. If you want to change your world, then change your words. Last week, we started and we said that God, Genesis, he created the world with what? Not his hands or his mind. Scripture says he created with his words, with his mouth. He spoke it into existence. And in the same way, listen, our words create our world. Your, work, your family, your workplace, your school, your classroom, your social circle, in many ways has been built by, guess what, your words. And so if you want to change your world, then learn to change your words. The question is, will you allow the Spirit in you to change the words that come out of you that create the world that is around you? Um, this week, I was gathering with the life group of men that I'm just a part of, hang out with, and guess what, like, came up? We're just reading a whole different book, Philippians, and guess what came up? Words. I don't know. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something, okay? So I'm trying to listen. Philippians chapter 2, I want to show you two verses from what we read. Philippians 2 verse 14 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, okay? Parents of teenagers are highlighting right now. They're like, what's going on in the refrigerator, 2 p.m. today? All right, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then, then you will become, you will be like, shine, you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, church, everyone else in the world is going to destruct the world with their words. Hello, social media. They're going to destruct the world with their words. But you and I, as the people of God, we have the chance to be different. Like you, listen, you're going to live it out this week, okay? Here's how some of you, this is how it's going to play. I mean, you're going to be standing around in the break room all right, at 10 a.m. heating your breakfast burrito, okay? 
All right, 90 seconds, power level 10, put that thing in, okay? And you're going to be standing around the break room just trying to waste as much time as possible so you don't have to go back to your desk, and y'all just standing there. And somebody in the break room, before the microwave hits ding, somebody's going, man, can you believe Tommy, who's the boss? And then they're just filling the blank with their feelings because of the meeting that happened yesterday. And you know what's going to happen with all the rest of the people in the break room? Or you insert your, your workplace? They're going to just flock to that like flies to manure. And they're just going to pile on. Yeah, man, I heard him say this. He walked in my office the other day, and he said this, and I saw he posted that. Can't believe you. Listen, what Paul is saying is that in that moment, in the break room, before your burrito gets warmed up, you have the chance to be different. He says if you would just not say anything, if you just hold it to yourself or maybe redirect the conversation, he says, you would be like a bright light, like a, like a star that fell out of the sky into the break room in the darkness of your workplace. You would shine like a star. And the workplace around you might go, bro, what's wrong with you? Why don't why you jump in? Don't you, don't you got some feelings about Tommy too? And you're like, you know what? I do. But I, I, I don't know, man. The Spirit of God, he's just working on me, and it's actually from the inside out. And I'm not perfect. Messed up three times this week, actually. But he's changing my heart. And I'm trying to let it change my words. So it's changing my world around me. If you want to change your workplace, church, change your words. If you want to change your family, change your words. If you want to change your marriage, starts with your mouth. However, hear this. You will never change your words until the Spirit changes your heart. I told you last week, you're going to walk out of here and be like, dude, preacher was mad today. He was James 3, and he was all over me and all that kind of stuff. Listen to me. And you walk out, and you'll be like, I need to do better. <clears throat> I've tried to do better so many times, and it leaves me flat on my face apologizing in the same way. It ain't about do better. No, the answer that we revealed last week, the answer is the spirit inside of you is the solution to the speech that comes out of you. It's the Holy Spirit of God alive in me, working on me. And, and the question, okay, is, is the Spirit, okay, if it's the Spirit of God alive in your life, is the Spirit in your life, is it turned up? Had this very conversation with somebody last week. You know when the Spirit of God, okay, you know when the Spirit of God is really turned up in your life? Immediately after the gathering. Because <laughs> for 60 minutes or 75 or however long the preacher in his mouth, okay, man, you've been worshiping with the people of God, singing hallelujah, thank you for the cross. You've been taking notes, mooing at the message. You prayed together. You're like, maybe you felt a little something. You've been with God's people. Spirit's turned up. You know when sometimes the spirit's not turned up? Tuesday at lunch. Because Monday morning, you weren't in the word. Tuesday morning, you got busy. No time in prayer. Overslept group on Monday night, or, or didn't go to group on Monday night because you were busy. Well, work meeting was more important, right? And listen to me, and it's real easy for the Spirit just to get turned down. And I'm telling you today, the solution is the Spirit that is in you, but it's up to you and me to turn up the voice of the Spirit so that it's continually loud in our life. You know what you don't have to turn up? The voice and the noise of the world. It's handling that daily. It is blaring every day when I wake up. And i got to figure out how to hit mute and turn the voice of the Spirit up. And that's why, man, we're a faith family that tries to take what we've heard and, like, put it into application. So that's why last week I issued to you and to me what we're calling the Sticks and Stones Challenge. You remember that? Say, yep. 
Okay, Sticks and Stones Challenge. So in the remaining two weeks, because that's all that's left, of this series, I'm challenging you to do two things. Very simple, but yet very extravagant. Could change your life. Number one, memorize one Bible verse. Proverbs 18, 21. And some of you missed it last week, so here we go. We're going to do it together. We're working on this. You hadn't worked on it in the last three days because you've been busy across the weekend. You guys put it up. Let's read it together. Here we go. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And where's it found? Proverbs what? 18, 21. And I'm just asking you what it would look like if many of you put that as your lock screen, wrote it on a note, stuck it on your bathroom mirror, on your dashboard, so that by the end of like two or three weeks, it's just in you. Spirit of God, in the word of God, getting up in me, turn the voice of the spirit up. And then we don't just increase our knowledge but then we actually put it into application. So here's the second part of the Sticks and Stones Challenge. Just do it. Like one time a day, you choose a purposeful, life-giving thing, and you speak it. It could be to your spouse. It could be to your kids. It could be to your parents, your coworker, your neighbor, somebody you run into at the ball field. And what I believe is like just literally logistically true is the more that we fill our mouth and our words with life, the less room there is to speak death and destruction. And we're just going to kind of carry this challenge out. Maybe you send it via text. Maybe you have some conversation in person. Maybe it is some through social because that's a friend, right? And we're going to kind of roll this challenge out, kind of roll it through like Saturday, November the 18th. And I hate to even speak a deadline because really my prayer is that we would just like do it so much over the next few weeks that it's like, man, that's just what I do now. <laughs> There's not a deadline on me speaking life because that's who I am. And you can decide how you want to remind yourself. Put it on your phone, write a note, stick it somewhere. And here's how I want to kind of begin to close today. I want to give you, as practically as possible, I'll give you a few what I'm calling do's and don'ts, okay? So, like, some of this is powered by the Word, but I think it's just, man, as followers of Jesus, these are just some good rules, okay? So write them down. Put them on, we'll put them on the screen so you can follow along. Here's number one. You ready, parents? Don't ever tell your kids you're disappointed in them. Ever ever, ever, ever. And some of you might say, well, I kind of am. And I would just say, that's not the point. Now, the point is, when we say words like that, it's anti-gospel. What are you talking about? Well, the good news of the gospel, as we believe Scripture teaches it, is that God said to you and me, as he looked at our broken cell, he says, I know what I'm getting, and I give my life for it anyway. And when you tell your kids, man, I'm so disappointed in you, you know what begins to create? A performance-based relationship. And when kids view their parents in a performance-based relationship, I'm just beginning to tell you that's not really a relationship at all. Now listen, that don't mean you don't correct when they're wrong. And go, listen, here's some consequences. As we're learning together, you did this, and this is not what we do. So here's some consequences. But in that vocabulary, you don't have to tell your kids ever, ever that you're disappointed in them. Number two, don't ever tell your spouse you will leave them. Don't ever tell your spouse you'll leave them. Some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, <laughs> like that's just kind of how we joke around sometimes. They're like, that's how I help my spouse know that what I just said was really, really serious. Because when I say that phrase, then they just know that what I said I really meant. And I'm just saying, don't say that anymore. 
when you say that, joking or serious, or when you drop the D word, because we don't drop the D word in my marriage, listen, the more you say that, the more you begin to believe it's an option. Scripture says, man, what God, if God did it, if God put you together, man, let no man separate. Let no man pull apart. Don't tell your spouse that you will leave them. Number three of my don'ts, don't defend your careless words with more careless words. Like when you swing the sword and it stabs, the only thing that should come out is, I'm sorry. Not, but, if, you should have, I wish you would, no, 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 I'm sorry, that's it. Don't defend your careless words with more careless words. Okay, so that's three don'ts. I got four do's. Number four, or uh, number one, do verbalize blessing and gratitude. Do verbalize blessing and gratitude. Unspoken gratitude is worthless. In other words, when you, Ephesians 4.29, back half of the verse, when you think of something that might build other people up, say it. You might go, well, that's kind of a little awkward. Say it anyway. Well, what if they're not by me? Send it in a text. Make a phone call right then because you'll probably excuse your way out later. When you think of it, say it. Do, number two, do cut out all sarcasm and verbal jabs and replace them with encouragement. And if you missed last week, you need to go back and listen just for the one verse from Proverbs that talked about, hey, if you tell somebody something, then you're like, oh, no, I was just joking. Proverbs is like, no, no, don't do that. You're actually like a maniac shooting a flaming arrow. It's in there. Go listen last week. Number three, third do, do pray over your spouse and kids out loud. Do pray over them. Pray out loud. Single mom, pray out loud over your kids. Pray over the people who love you most. Pick a Bible verse and pray the Bible verse over them. Maybe you're a single mom or you're a husband. God's called you to lead and you're like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't, listen, I don't know where to start. Listen, pick your favorite Bible verse. Google one. Pick your favorite Bible verse, and then you look at your kids or your spouse, and you say, hey, I just, man, I just want to pray for you. And you say, dear God, you say that Bible verse, and then you say amen. Husbands, when you get done, like, your girl's probably going to be just waterworks, okay? Just listen. It's good tears because you're trying to lead. Here's my fourth do, and man, it's important. Do say, do say I'm sorry for my words. Do say, do it a lot. Say I'm sorry for my words. And husbands and dads, I am one. If you want to lead your family, listen, if you want to lead your family, you know what you can do. You know, a great first step. Your wife's been wearing you out. Man, I don't know if you ever, never, ever lead out with our family. Listen, here you go. Here's step one. Just become the lead confessor in your house. And I know that strikes everything against your pride and mine, your ego and mine. It's like, no, man, I'm the leader of the household. And I'm just telling you, be the lead confessor in the household. My wife and I have decided at our house, um, the words, I'm sorry, from mom and dad, just they're not going to be weird. Unfortunately, they're probably more consistent than they should have to be. But that's, it's not going to be weird. Like, we're, we're going to say, I'm sorry for my words. Do's and don'ts. Let's end with, an example from Scripture in the New Testament. Y'all remember Peter? You read much about Peter? Dude, Peter, Peter was a knucklehead, all right? If you ever want to, like, feel good about yourself because you've been messing up, just go read some Peter stories. Just, like, Google Peter's stories where he was dumb, okay? There are a lot of them. And do you want to know? You want to know one of the main ways that Peter got it wrong? Like, a lot? His mouth. 
Like, he says some things. You read them in Scripture, like, if you're kind of brand new to stories, and you're like, whoa, bro, like, Jesus was right there. You can't say that, man. Even I know that, right? Peter said it. But you know what happened post-resurrection? Spirit of God, Holy Spirit of God, same spirit that changes you, that spirit arrived here on earth to humanity, and that spirit arrived. And do you know who God picked to preach the first message in the history of the Christian church? He's like, look at all the disciples. He's like, oh, this will be fun. Let's go with Peter. Let's, let's do Peter. And Peter stepped up, and Peter spoke the words of truth, and God's spirit was in him, and God used him. Why do I tell you that? Oh, because there's so much good news, and here's why that matters. Don't miss it. Here's why that matters for me and you today. Because the very same mechanism, the same mechanism that had caused destruction in your marriage, with your kids, with your parents, at your workplace, can be the very same mechanism that God uses to begin to bring healing and reconciliation. How ironic. The same mouth that spoke cursing, can speak blessing where wise words lead to healing. So again, I don't know if you're down with this, but we're a church that doesn't want to be guilty of just reading this book, taking good notes, and then going and living the rest of our lives. But we want to be really good at coming around the truth of God, hearing the Spirit of God, and then trying to obediently live it out. And so here's how we're going to end today. And I'm just going to preface it by saying, for some of you, it may be a little uncomfortable, but man, I'm just trying to be obedient as I lead you with the Spirit of God. There are many of you, as you've heard James 3 today, and listen to me, I had to preach it to myself for six days. You just got 30 minutes, that's all, okay? There's some of you, as you heard James 3 today, maybe you saw that illustration of a hammer and a sword, and you go, you know what? I'll burn some stuff down with my words. I've hurt with my words. And there's some people in your life that need to hear you say, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me for my words? And listen, 15 seconds doesn't fix 15 years, but you know what? You've got to start somewhere. And some of those people that need to hear that from you, they might be right here with you, like sitting right next to you, or it's a kid that's two seats down or a grandkid that's with you listen to me so in just a moment not right now but in just a moment i'm going to give you a chance if you want to be obedient so man just put your arm around them put your hand on their leg and just say hey i love you and i'm sorry it's not okay and i know my words don't fix a decade but i'm just trying to be obedient and then dad wants to go first mom wants to lead out and I'm just saying, I'm sorry. Listen, there's some of you that that person that, or those people, they're not in the room. And so in just a moment, man, I'm asking, like, I'm going to tell you, like, pull out your phone. And you start the text. Don't delay, like, you start the text. For some of you, you're like, whoo, like, that's super bold. I wasn't ready for that. Well, I'm going to give you this. Would you pray for your own boldness? That at lunch today or dinner tonight or tomorrow morning, you would say, I'm sorry. Don't delay it. But maybe today it's courage. Man, my encouragement is let's go. Let's do it now. Now, listen, some of you, maybe things are awesome in your family, your workplace, your friend relationships. And if so, man, praise the Lord for that. 
And maybe you just need to lead out just a quick prayer of blessing over your family, over your marriage. God, thank you for your favor, your, uni- your unity in our marriage. Thank you for that. Maybe you're single today and you're hanging out with a life group friend or somebody you serve with on the team. And maybe you guys just pray for one another, just encouragement for one another. But here's my hope. Here's the ask today that we, we just like Peter, we would take the same mechanism that many times me and many of you have used to bring destruction and hurt and pain and that God would use it today, even in a very quick moment, to speak life. No matter where you may be in life or in your faith journey, we pray today's time pointed your heart to what is true and gave you hope to hold on to. We want you to know that we are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you learn what it means to get life in Jesus and give life to others as you live out your faith. To get a conversation started with one of our ministry team members, you can send us a private message or text your first name to 601-397-6111. We would love to pray for you and walk you through anything that you may be experiencing. You can find reading plans and other resources to help you take the next step in your faith on our website, www.theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as a church, let us speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.